The Weekly Harvest, an in-depth look at the Brandon Weekings and the WHL. Washman trying to come up with it for Allison. Here's Allison right in front. He scores! In the immortal words of waiting, we are live. Welcome to another edition of the Weekly Harvest Podcast. My name is Chris Falco, Director of Game Day Operations and Communications for the Brandon Wheat Kings. He's Brandon Crow, the voice of the Wheat Kings. Crow, how are you doing this week, bud? I'm doing pretty good. It's been a it's been a good week. Uh, doing a little golfing, a little fishing. I told uh, told you earlier I was not very successful fishing, but uh, I built a chicken coop. I've got some chickens coming to the farm on Thursday, and uh, yeah, I'm really turning this into a bit of a funny farm. This off season can't end fast enough. I might have a goat and an alpaca by the time this is over. <laughs> You're just trying to fill your time with farm animals now. <laughs> yeah, and then winter will come, and then I don't know what who's going to take care of them. I might have to hire a hire a guy to come and take care of them because I'll be on. Hopefully on the road and back on the bus again. But uh, what was that, Eddie? No. What was the? I think it was Eddie Murphy, right? Doctor Doolittle. Doctor Doolittle. It? Yeah, <laughs> that's the one. You're just slowly going to become that in the off season. Then you're going to get caught. And you have to find Eddie Murphy to come and take it over, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't have a, a tank of goldfish. That's the one thing I'm missing. And I know you do, and your boys love the, the goldfish. So I might. That might be my my next stop is bring the pets inside and get a big old fish tank. <laughs> so for tonight for the podcast. Things are a little bit different uh, for all the regular listeners. Uh, so we do have a we have a guest tonight. It is Brian Munz from the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, we'll get in with, with a Munzee a little bit later. Uh, now, because today is actually his wife's birthday, kudos to him. How many brownie points he earned here, Crow, by yeah. taking time on Father's Day last night? We recorded the interview with Brian. Uh, he gave us almost an hour of his time for for us to do it, and just so he could spend all day today with his wife on her birthday uh kudos to him for doing that i don't yeah. know if you would have made that if you would have made that that, that exact same uh, switch there i don't know actually i think on my wife's birthday i went to practice at the fire department because uh, we practice every thursday and her birthday fell on a thursday i think i said i'll be home at nine i'll see you later uh that didn't earn me any brownie points at all so i, I hear about it every once in a while too so rightfully yeah. so rightfully Good so for Munzee. but it was but, a, like it, you said we recorded it yesterday and uh, he came right off the golf course with his son and uh, it was great great storyteller and you can tell that he's just itching to get back behind a mic so we'll get into that in a little bit and uh, that'll be the majority of the podcast and that's what we'll finish it but we're gonna get through all of our normal stuff while we're live here so if you have any questions of the week of course uh, on the youtube channel if you are here watching live uh you can go you can drop us a question at this time we'll also see if you are like again the 99 percent of the regular listeners there's a good chance that you're listening to this afterwards it's a podcast it's the beauty of it right it's ready whenever you are wherever you are so however you're listening on via podcast man if you have any questions comments feel free to drop it to us at q weekly harvest at gmail.com letter q weekly harvest at gmail.com uh, again uh, apologies for not being able to take a lot of questions for brian Munns tonight but if you have anything for us right now on the youtube page by all means go ahead and uh, chat while we get into some news and notes around the league crow yeah obviously the big news this week um i guess kind of last week i suppose uh, it was that uh, commissioner ron robinson the western hockey league met via Zoom, similar to the way you and I have been meeting every week, uh, to discuss with the media the Western Hockey League's plan to return to play. Now, uh, for those of you uh, that need maybe a refresher, want to know what's going on, head over to the Western League website, check it out. Everything's pretty much laid out, but for 
somebody that maybe doesn't want to read through it and try and comprehend it, I, I kind of put together some notes and I tweeted it out. Here are some of the things, and, and we'll kind of discuss these when I, I'll just read through them. Uh, these are some points that I wrote down from Commissioner Ron Robinson's press conference. The Western Hockey League is committed to 68 games, no matter when the season starts. But when the season starts will dictate how the schedule looks. So that includes maybe changing the playoffs, modifying the format, and moving the Memorial Cup later. Uh, Ron Robinson said that even if the season doesn't start till December 1st, 68 games is possible. But the later they go, the priority is to to get as many regular season games in as possible. So maybe that's trimming two every week that it goes, but they're going to try and get as many games in as possible. Training camp will be allowed to open two weeks prior to whatever day they say this season's opening. So right now it's October 2nd, which would mean training camp is beginning on September 15th. Uh, he reiterated several times that anything's possible when it comes to the style and layout, meaning, you know, Brandon could just stay in Saskatchewan and Manitoba and not cross over into Alberta or BC. Uh, all sorts of things are up in the air. The big takeaway, and now this is the, the biggest thing that I took away from this, is that the Western Hockey League needs every province, all four of them, and both states with teams to allow 50% capacity in arenas in order to play this season. Ron Robinson said, if all 22 provinces or all 22 teams with provinces and state health regulations, if one is not allowing 50% capacity, then that's it. You can't play. That needs to happen financially for the Western Hockey League. So that is pretty much the points I took from this. That's the biggest one is if, you know, if, if these provinces and states can't agree, it could be a long time before we have a, a Western Hockey League season. You guys are watching in the office. What was your take on it, Chris? Uh, before we get serious, uh, my, my, my one fun takeaway is the fact that Perry Bergson, he's got some facial hair going on. Ah, I like yeah, how he was the one reporter on the, on the Zoom call. He couldn't figure out his mute button. That's just classic. I love that about Perry. But yeah, he's, he's got a good goatee going. I guess he finally trimmed it along with the dog I saw on Twitter. So good for him. I see you're still wearing the hat. So I don't know what your deal is. Uh, I said but, to Perry, what's on your face during the meeting? I texted him and I crazy. saw him snickering on the camera. Yeah, yeah, no, I, that's, you know what? That's actually one of the fun things about all this is the Zoom meetings when people don't know they're on and you're, when you're watching for their reaction. Uh, but, but seriously, it was really nice and obviously great that Ron did that. Um, a lot of the media, they even had just good feedback that it wasn't just an announcement, but he made himself available. And the way that they did it, it really did have a lot of good questions. I mean, kudos to all the reporters who, who took part in the entire thing. I think it was like it was about an hour long and yeah, it, it went really well. Um, I hope that the league does that again in the future. Um, I, I, I think from that standpoint, it came across good on their point, too. Do we want to play a full season? I mean, of course, that that's it. The one thing you mentioned is the big deal. It's the 50% capacity. You got to remember that there's no TV rights when it comes to the WHL, right? I mean, they're just, there's, you can't nationally broadcast. We, the, the teams is not financially viable. Um, so for us to play a season, we are a ticket-based league, right? We need people that come to the games who want to pay and, 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 and help support it. Um, so yeah, I mean, 50%, even that, of course, then it causes lots of, you can imagine, of us on, on the hockey side of things, when you have people who have their season tickets for, and our franchise is 50 years old, there's a few that have been around for almost that time, but there are still like dozens who have been around for 20 plus seasons. So I understand it's unprecedented times and people are understanding, but at the same time, imagine going to those people and saying, sorry, your seats are unfortunately yeah. are a row that we got to 
block out and you can't sit with your friends because you're not in the same household. So now we've got to start talking about moving. So there's lots of logistics you can imagine behind the scenes, uh, uh, not just us, uh, across every team we have to figure that out. But at least we'd be playing hockey, right? At least, yeah, you got 50%. You can make a go of it. Um, our season ticket holder base is almost that what our arena would be anyway so walk-up tickets would be a minimum to start the year you know yeah. if, if that was the case um but yeah i mean obviously the first priority is get back to hockey but at the end of the day it, it is a business and without that part of it everything else is still to come and that's one that's completely out of the as ron said it's out of the league hands so now and i don't know if mentioned it right here now we're talking before about it too but so now each team is going to have a leader for each province who's going to be working in the government and then helping be the liaison to help coordinate this because when you go across the four provinces and two states and you have all these teams there is a lot of moving parts and when you look at the numbers in in washington compared to the numbers here in saskatchewan it is a complete tale of night and day so if we have to wait for everybody like ron said everything's up in the air so i thought that it was very important that the league did that that we have a date scheduled that it's optimistic but it's only two weeks we can still play the full season and if everything goes well i mean again we're only in june so people keep saying like you know pushing it back too early but it's only june so i think it's optimistic but hoping for the best and of course there are plans you know if they have to push it back but that's above my pay scale all i know is i'm just oh, looking for forward sure. to the fact that they made the announcement that's great for our fans so that they have something to look forward to it's great for the sponsors they got something to look forward to and it's even better for the players because this is what i mean the other day i'll tell a quick quick story about this i was uh walking with brian after picking up daycare I went to tim orton just go get a nice drink and walk back to the park and uh ben mccartney and rylan Thiessen. they were just driving around town so ben's back in town and they saw me so they, they pulled over and i, I knew it, they wanted they, they said hi but first question was so this before like before the big press conference they went so what are we going to play in hockey? Like, they're oh, hockey sure. players, right? Like, that's what they wanted to know. So I think, as a compared to what the CSI has been in, or the, the Canadian International uh, with, the, with the, sorry, the, with the University CIS. Sports, CIS, U Sports now, that's what I was trying to think of, uh, what, the, what their announcement was uh, in Edmonton with, with the Bears just canceling the season now. Uh, I think this was very important the league that got out. Give some pop- I think, yeah, that to me, it, it, there's, there's a hard deadline and, and an opportunity now for the players to know how to train, right? Because now they have a, a bit of a goal. So, you know, before it was like, well, do I need to start working out right now or do I need to start skating or how do I prepare and, and all that that goes with it? So I think having a date is nice. I, I'm, I, I appreciate the optimism from everybody at the league and, and all the hard work that everybody's putting into it. I, I just, I don't want to put the cart ahead of the horse. I don't want to be disappointed. I mean, everybody, you don't want to get people's hopes up. And I mean, I, you know, I, I'm a, I, I try and stay busy and, you know, I've, I've taken up a, a kind of a part-time job out at the clubhouse at the golf course uh, here in Verdon just to socialize again and get into a bit of a routine and, you know, talking to all those guys, a lot of them are waking season ticket holders. Uh, you know, a lot of them are guys that come to games and bring their kids and their grandkids. And that's the first question they ask me. And it's nice to know that I finally have a bit of an answer, whether it happens or not. I'm not sure. The fact that's the scary part for me is that everybody has to be on the same page. I asked Ron Robison, I said, 
Ron, if the U.S. cannot get it together, would there ever be a scenario where the Western Hockey League dropped the five American teams and played in Canada only? Maybe put them on a, a you know a leave of absence for a year, have a dispersal draft, something along those lines. And he said, right now, zero discussions have ever been had about that. It's twenty-two or nothing. It's all twenty-two teams or nobody plays. So it's not a case of well, you know, you got to leave Seattle behind and you disperse their team and don't travel to Washington. It's everybody or nobody. And so that was kind of nice to hear as well. So at the end of the day, we've got a date to look forward to. Whether or not it happens, I'm not sure, but. This kind of obviously leads us into Brian Munns as well because he's going to talk about the NHL's return to play. They've got it a little bit more difficult with all the international travel and the media and everything that goes with it, but I think the two leagues are going to use each other. I I think the NHL is going to kind of pave the way, and the Western Hockey League, the Q, and the OHL are going to follow suit and see what works for them. So either way, like you said, great job by the Western Hockey League, Taylor Roca, for setting that up and, and allowing the media. You can actually watch it uh, and listen to it if you head over to the Western Hockey League website and kind of get a feel for, for what we talked about on that uh, call. A uh, couple other news things. Uh, today, just a minor roster move. Uh, the Tri-City Americans uh, picked up uh, goaltender Donovan Buskey, who uh, had spent time with PA and last season with Regina. He was placed on waivers, so he's picked up. Uh, and he will compete for a spot there. They dropped 20-year-old defenseman Jaden Platts uh, onto waivers. But other than that, not a whole lot of um, news from the Western Hockey League. I've got uh, one are- piece. What do you got? I got a piece to add. It is that uh, Bob McKenzie, of course, released his final TSN draft Ooh, rankings. Yes. And right. on it, you're going to see two Weekings predicted to go in the first round. They have Braden Schneider listed at number 17 overall. And they have really Greg listed at number 24. So... Yeah, interesting numbers there. Interesting numbers there. Uh, Great, obviously, when you get to see Brandon Weekings, you know, two picks possibly going in the first round. Uh, That's what we like to see from, you know, from Weeking Hockey. So very exciting to see, uh, of course, how the draft actually going to go this year. Um, They even kind of say in it, it was a bit of a crapshoot, right? Because, I mean, you didn't have the playoffs. You didn't have some of these tournaments where uh, or or even the combine where these teams really get a feel for the players. They were doing it via Zoom meetings, Um, you know, so the best you could do is find out if a kid can turn his phone vertical or not in some cases <laughs> yeah. uh, and what which, kind of dog he's got walking in the yes, background usually. yes yes <laughs> yes exactly so you know it's a little bit tougher for the scouts they have to go on what, on what they already on what they already know what they already based on and all that late season stuff was kind of thrown out the window so interesting at that also to see kind of how the numbers actually changed you know um but uh really did cr- climb a little bit in the final standings and that was uh, good to see but i'm excited for the draft especially for those guys yeah and just a matter of how they're going to do it i imagine it'll be very similar to what the NFL did with uh, you know the kind of the commissioner in his basement and and guys on Zoom calls especially the first round guys in the media so hopefully they can pull it off I know I watched the NFL draft and I'm not a huge NFL fan and but it was just sports it was something to watch uh speaking of watching the other piece of news uh that the WHL did announce uh, they're going to a new streaming service. So I know a lot of people that are watching this or listening to this podcast watch the Weekings when they go on the road, usually hopefully listening to me on the broadcast, unless they <laughs> are switching over to the other guys. But uh, they're going away from New Lion, and they're going to a new streaming service that's going to be Canadian Hockey League-wide. Um, so that is going to see a little bit of change. I know that a lot of people were kind of texting me during the year that New Line was giving them some troubles depending on where they lived and how their internet worked and stuff. So uh, look forward to whenever the season does get going, a new streaming service, which should make uh, watching Canadian Hockey League from coast to coast a little bit easier. I was actually 
surprised and not surprised when the WHL posted the link to the return employee protocol and they mentioned that in the news release how many comments on twitter actually didn't even talk about the return to play they picked up on that <laughs> specifically and we're yeah. very excited to see the old provider gone and a new provider coming in uh myself included very excited about that and also last year so the chl released an app now this was back in the fall and like all technology it needed some work, right? So released it, had some bugs. But then by February, it really got figured out. And now in this offseason, uh, we just had this training session just to re-familiarize with us uh, with everything this app can do. And part of that is this multimedia. So going to start encouraging people again. If you're a fan of any team in the CHL, download the CHL app, select your favorite team. You can only select one team, and that's the team that you'll get the information on, the home screen, the push notifications. But all the interactive pieces, the live streaming will be integrated directly into it. You could look at highlights, watch full games. There'll be a lot more announced, but that's all coming in. And again, this you know if we're going to use this time for anything, that's exactly what it should be put into and it was awesome to hear in the last couple of weeks of all those issues that have now been taken care of so encourage people to download the chl app because come this fall with the new streaming service and everything coming up you're going to want to stay connected with that for sure Right on. Well, uh, our guest this week, uh, voice uh, of the Winnipeg Jets on TSN 1290. He also does uh, a couple of morning shows a week uh, currently, uh, along with Paul Edmonds uh, on TSN 1290. Uh, and uh, he's a good friend of Don McGilvery. And he's not a fan of the Brandon Weekings, so, though, because he's a yeah, Prince Albert Raider say, alumni. He's a Raider yeah. alumni, but you actually go way back with him kind of, too. I mean, we, we, yeah. we, we get into that a little bit. I didn't know that, but you've known Brian Munns for a number of years, I guess. Eh? Just like former SJ announcer so bonding the, yeah, kind of thing. He's from Humboldt originally, and his first radio job uh, was at CJVR Radio in Melford. And he went from CJVR Radio in Melford. He spent about five years there doing the Nippon Hawks, Humboldt Broncos, Melford Mustangs, and some U of S football, and I believe some uh, Saskatoon Hilltops junior football as well. Uh, and then his next stop was PA. He was there for a while, and then he went to the American League, and we get into his journey, and now he's in the NHL. Well, when I started in Melfort, it was the same thing. I was doing Humboldt, Nippon, uh, Melfort, the U of S. The Hilltops were gone by then. but So I, I had a great opportunity early on in my radio career to reach out to him and say, hey, look, I'm, I'm in following in your shoes here. Give me some pointers, and we've stayed in touch. He's kind of been you know, a, a real good mentor for me. I've been able to bounce ideas off of him and, and uh, you know, different you know, contract stuff. And he's kind of helped me behind the scenes. My scorebooks, a little bit of an adaptation of his, um, him and I hosted the 2015 Saskatchewan junior hockey league, uh, hall of fame induction, which he was inducted into. Uh, and then of course this past summer, uh, we worked, uh, together a little bit on the Nippon Hawks alumni golf tournament, uh, up in Nippon, uh, as well. So we've had a, a, a real, long history he's a, he's i consider him a good friend and uh, he like i mentioned in the interview he helped me get into my first nhl press box as well uh, and a scrum with Sidney crosby so uh certainly a, a good guy a, a good friend uh, of the brandon weekings with don mcgilvery and of course with dave lowry his son adam playing for the jets and uh, i know he comes to a lot of weekend games so when he gets the chance brings his kid and uh it's a great interview so uh yeah, really no. looking forward to to hearing people's uh, feedback yeah, always uh, love seeing him around the rink. So here it is from yesterday. Took time out of his busy day on Father's Day. Again, so he can uh, spend all day uh, today with his wife on her birthday. Here's yesterday us talking to Brian Munns. Uh, this will be uh, the interview and the podcast. And uh, again, thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you again next week. Enjoy. Enjoy the week. Another edition of the Weekly Harvest Podcast. And our guest this week is a guy who's certainly familiar with hockey on the prairies, the Western Hockey League, the Brandon Wheat Kings. He's 
a long, long time uh, radio and TV voice of the Winnipeg Jets, as well as hockey candidates and uh, a local guy as well. Brian Munns uh, from Humboldt, Saskatchewan, originally joining us this week. Uh, Brian, uh, we'll talk about your connection to Humboldt in a little bit and the golf tournament uh, that you, got, uh, you guys have gotten rolling out there. But uh, first and foremost, it's been a wild time. What have you been doing to keep yourself busy since the NHL hit the pause button? Hey guys, good to talk to you again. Uh, yeah, you know what? I think just like everybody, the first few weeks you were trying to understand exactly what was going on in the world. And I don't think uh, anybody on our plane when we flew out of Calgary uh, that morning in March thought it would be this long. I think we all thought maybe it might be a few weeks, maybe a month or two. But uh, to have the hiatus that uh, we are in the midst of right now and you know, there's lots of talk about training camps getting underway July 10th and the regular season or the, the playoff uh, getting underway at the end of July or early August. So for all, uh, lots of family time, obviously. The weather's nice again here now in uh, Winnipeg. Just got off the golf course here about half an hour ago. So uh, all is good. Had a great Father's Day this past weekend. So, uh, yeah, enjoying life right now. And looking forward, though, to getting back to work when they say it's go time for us for sure. You mentioned the golf course. Uh, if anybody follows you on social media, they'll know that your son is a avid little golfer who swings uh, a heck of a club uh, for considering his age and his size and uh, kind of just kind of getting into the world of golf. What's that like to have a, a young kind of uh, image of yourself that wants to spend as much time on the course as you do? I wish I had the flexibility that he does. Uh, <laughs> there's no question about that. No, it's been awesome. Uh, obviously that's uh a huge passion of mine in the off season. That's kind of my getaway from it all. And uh, for him now, he's nine years old. We've had him out on the course for four or five years and he's got his own little tailor-made set that uh, he got a couple years ago and he's the right size for the clubs now. And he was banging it around pretty good. So he'd be quick to tell you that his uh, long drive is 151 yards and he hit it right down the middle. So he was pretty proud of that, but uh, it's great. You know, it, uh, gives us some great quality time and uh, gets them out of the house for mom too. So I think everybody's happy. Now I know that you're good friends with uh, assistant coach Don McGilvery. How often do you guys hit the links together? Yeah, Chris, we get out a couple times a week for sure. Uh, our families are really close. Uh, his wife and my wife are both uh, in the education system. His daughter is uh, my son's number one babysitter. And, and obviously Donnie and I are super tight too. And, get to play a lot of golf. So it's, uh, it's been great for us. They're probably the closest family to us here in the city of Winnipeg. And, uh, we do spend a lot of time together. We've had some great matches. Uh, they're, uh, they're no holds barred when we're on the course. There's uh, there's no friendship. There's lots of <laughs> chirping back and forth. Uh, we try and get under each other's skin. And I think we both know how to push each other's buttons a little bit. And, uh, we have a lot of fun with it. So, uh, yeah, we, we've had a chance to play a lot of golf and, uh, we're going to continue to do it for sure. Who, who got the best of the other one last time out? <laughs> uh, I think he won the last match that uh, that we played. We've been pretty close this year, but uh, the last couple, I get a few strokes on them. Uh, I, overall, I'm probably better, but uh, when we play, uh, I think he gets in my kitchen sometimes, and, and I kind of get in his a little bit too. So we have some uh, pretty good battles, and, and that's what makes it fun, right? If, if you can't beak your friends and, and start yapping at each other, I, I don't know why you'd go play with anybody, really. <laughs> it, 
it's the competitive nature, right? So uh, we have a lot of fun with it for sure. Well, I know Donnie's a pretty, he's, he's quietly competitive. You don't really see it from him. He's pretty kind of calm and composed, but I know that if, you know, Tyler Plant or Mark your Lego challenge him to, to run the stairs or, or pick up a weight in the weight room or do something that you wouldn't expect, Donnie just grits his teeth and get, tries to get at her because he hates <laughs> losing. So I can totally yeah. see well, it. We all do, right? <laughs> yeah, we all do. You touched on your, your guys' wives being, uh, you know, principal, vice principal in the education world. So everybody's been in this strange situation, Chris included. I'm kind of the only one on this pod right now that doesn't have kids. So you guys have had to homeschool your kids and maybe learn a little online learning and at-home stuff. Was that difficult for you, Brian, or was it easy knowing that your wife kind of had that in her back pocket? Yeah, she's definitely the one that, uh, that has the main focus of that. I'm probably the phys ed teacher. But uh, other than that, I can tell you, I'd probably fail grade three math. There, there's no question about that. And I can add, I can multiply, I can divide. But the terms they use nowadays, and Chris, I think you know this as well. Like, I have no clue what skip counting is. And, and right away, they, they both look at me like I've got no idea what's going on in the world. So uh, I'm lucky to have her in the house for sure that uh, she kind of looks after that to, I make sure he gets outside and throws the football around and hits the golf ball, and uh, we get to uh, have a lot of fun. But uh, we got a pretty structured day. He's he's kind of in the school thing Monday to Friday from nine thirty to three ish, and uh, overall, though we uh, we have a lot of fun with it. It's it's been good. That's been the one benefit, obviously, of everything that uh, we're all going through in the world. Is I've never had this much time at home, uh, even in the off season. You you end up going to for me do another couple hockey Canada events or zip back and see family in Saskatchewan or end up doing something. But uh, to be in Winnipeg now for April, May, June, like three plus months, this is the longest that I can almost ever remember that I haven't either jumped in a car or jumped on a plane and gone outside the perimeter. You I talked about the, yeah, go ahead, Chris. Sorry. You talked about skip County here. I thought I could help out my kid with his homework. He's in elementary school. <laughs> I could figure this out. He starts throwing yeah. up these fingers. He's going this. And I'm like, you're doing gang science. Stop it. That's not how we count here. I don't know what he was. <laughs> it's his whole new, it's a whole new world. Uh, yeah, myself, I've just been personally doing a little online learning and then let's get outside. Cause we got to shoot in the hockey net. We're going to, we're going to pull up the baseball net. We're going to do something. Just been trying to keep, Absolutely. Just keep, keep the kids moving and keep them sane. That's about it. I can't well, laugh you got, because you got to keep them active, right? Like, because you think about it, they're playing before school. They're playing at recess. They're playing at lunch. They're playing at recess again in the afternoon. And then if you're not there right at three 30, they're playing outside as well. So, you got to keep them active during this time. No question about it. Very glad right. that baseball was back as of last week. So, yeah, you get your kid into a bit of a routine. I still have to use a calculator sometimes to figure out the time of penalties and goals because <laughs> my backwards math on the clock sometimes just throws me for a loop. Anything around that nine to 11 minute mark where I got to do the reverse, it just throws me right off. Sometimes Pete, who's a teacher, he'll look at me and think like, are you actually using your calculator to figure that out? But I'd rather get it right than wrong. So I got to use the calculator every once in a while. But my kids are, are really screwed if they help. I can help them with their homework moving forward. You know there is scoring online, right? Yeah, but in Brandon and most Western League rinks, it doesn't happen as fast <laughs> as it does in the NHL. Oh, come on. I think you have been using spoiled. The calculator too. You, I, th- <laughs> I, I think you forget there, Munzee, about how it was maybe. <laughs> 
No, you know what? All that online scoring started to come in when I was in PA doing Raider games. Okay. Like, and okay, so here I'm going to date myself. When now. when were you when, in PA? So I was there from 2000 to 05, the beginning of the 05 6 season. I did probably 12 or 15 games and then I got the job in Edmonton with the Roadrunners uh, for the lockout year. So started the season with the Raiders, did the West Coast trip and then literally got off the bus in Kelowna, flew to Edmonton and the next day did opening night for the Roadrunners in the American Hockey League uh, during the lockout season. But uh, I'll tell you when we we talk about, uh, you know, the online scoring and, and how the game has gone. When I was in PA, that's when the Internet really got going. And that's when I got my first cell phone. So it was kind of in that late 90s, early 2000s. And Brandon, you used to live in, in Melford doing Saskatchewan Junior League games. That's where I was before PA. And the technology even then was just starting to kind of come along. So from the WHL to the American League to the NHL is where I've seen uh, the biggest thing. Like I think of back to my SJHL days and Crozy, you'd know this from doing Melford Nipple and Humboldt. We used to get the stats lady, Penny McEwen was her name, to fax the stats to the opposition coach. Yeah. And then when you got to, say, North Battleford, you'd go to your coach's interview and he'd give you the stats for the game that night. Yeah, it uh, it's certainly changed. I remember. Do you remember the Civic Center in Estevan before the new rink? You couldn't see the score clock or the shot clock from the press box. So when you took a commercial break, you had to back up, climb two or three steps down the ladder, and peek over at the clock, and then scramble no. back up to get in your chair. <laughs> no, no, you didn't, Brendan. All you had to do is you had to crouch down about a third of the way, <laughs> and you could see it off the reflection of the silver roof. <laughs> But that, that took about four years to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was awful. I, I remember so, just thinking, okay, I got 30 seconds. I got to scramble down and back up and not trip and fall and hurt myself. But I get the shot clock. We normally seem yeah. to ask this later on when we do a little segment called Rapid Fire, but we're talking about it now. So I, I, I got to know, SJ rinks aside, maybe we'll, we'll at least stick in the dub. Of all the w, uh, WHL rinks that you broadcast from, which was your favorite and which was your least favorite to broadcast from? Well, the home games in PA were the best because the broadcast booth is about 18 feet off the ice at center ice. Like, you just can't beat it. Uh, honestly, I, I love coming to Brandon, and I'm not just saying this because I'm talking to you guys, but it's a great vantage point there. The only thing I hated about it is in five years, I think I may have called five wins. <laughs> like, the Raiders weren't very good, and the Wheat Kings were always good with Eric Fair and Jordan Tutu. Ryan Craig, uh, they had Josh Harding in goal towards the end of my tenure there. So Kelly always had a good club, so that was always a long seven, eight-hour bus ride, but it was fun. Um, the other – so I wouldn't say Brandon was a top, top for me, but it would be in the top five. Um, Regina was cool because before living in Humboldt, that's where I grew up and went to elementary school. Hmm. I was a huge Pats fan. I thought Mike Stillinger was the greatest thing in the world. He was my Wayne Gretzky. So the first time, the first couple of years, I got to go into Regina and call games in the Agridome, or now I guess it's the Brandt Center. Uh, that was pretty special. And then it's just different, right, when you go out west because those buildings are so big. Uh, and a lot newer compared to what we had in the in the Eastern Conference, where I did the majority of the games. It was always neat to go out to Kelowna, Seattle, and 
Portland and all that kind of stuff. The worst one was probably Prince George, just because you had the long bus ride and uh, just, I don't know, whatever it was, you only saw them once a year. And I, I never really had a lot of fun going into, into PG, but overall, uh, just you know, so many fond memories that I would never say it was it was the worst by any means, but it would probably be at the bottom of the list for me. Your time in PA, obviously, uh, the Raiders, it kind of helped basically springboard you to where you got to eventually calling pro hockey in Edmonton and then with the Moose and then on to TSN and, and your work with the Jets. But uh, we kind of wanted to stick with the Raiders. Chris and I were talking earlier about um, their 50th anniversary logo, which has come out. And uh, that was actually designed by a young man here in Verdon, Brooks Freeman, who's done a ton of great work uh, all over minor pro hockey in the junior ranks. He's just a kid with a computer that's really sharp. Uh, Raiders have had a lot of cool logos and cool jerseys, but in your time with that pirate logo, uh, that has to be an iconic memory for you. Is that your favorite Raider logo or, you know, where are you on the, the kind of chronological order of Raider uniforms? All right. So they know already because every time I talk to somebody back in PA, I'm like, you've got to change your logo and you've got to change your Jersey. I just don't like what they wear right now. And Hey, I bleed green. They know that, but, uh, just what they've got right now, I'm not a big fan of. Uh, for me, the old pirate logo is is still the one. I know that it might not be politically correct anymore to to have on the jersey, and I know the Western Hockey League's not really thrilled with it. But uh, when I see that, that's what I think of, of the Prince Albert Raiders. But the one that uh, that they wore when I was there, the the pirate that had the sword kind of coming out of his mouth. That uh, there isn't a better jersey, I don't think, in the WHL when they wore the black jerseys with that logo they just had the little green stripe on the bottom with a little bit of yellow those look good and when you had guys like riley cote and grant mcneil on your team there weren't a lot of teams that were going to push them around either i think everybody we've talked to from an alumni standpoint they always said pa was their least favorite place to go because they always left in a body bag or on ice in the bus because they got (laughs) destroyed into the corner so i feel like the black would have made it just that much uh, more intimidating with it being the 50th anniversary. Now I know it's probably up in the air. I'm not sure. I haven't read anything about their, uh, the annual or pardon me, I guess not annual, but their celebration for their 50th anniversary. You were supposed to be the host coming up in August with a ton of Raiders alumni. Uh, if there's any, I know I've got a lot of buddies from Saskatchewan that, that listen to this. Uh, is there any update at all on that regarding the Raiders uh, tournament and stuff coming up in August? Or do you know yet? Yeah, no, they've pushed it back to next year. Uh, obviously, okay. just they couldn't. You can't host something in in these times. I don't think properly anyway. I don't think it would be the right thing to do from from their standpoint as right. organizers. Uh, it's the same as the golf tournament at Humboldt that I know you said we'll talk about a little bit later on. Uh, you just take a look at at everything that the world is going through right now. I don't think it would be fair to fly Raider alumni and have five or 700 people converge on the city of Prince Albert from Canada, U.S. Uh, I know there's a few guys in Europe that we're going to try and come back for, wanted, committed for sure. So it, it's just not right. And the economic side, obviously, it's a fundraiser. You want people to spend money. And I don't think it's right to, to ask people to spend money if they've had their wages discounted or even some have lost their jobs. So. Uh, next year, they've kind of pushed everything back for uh, a full calendar year, and we'll look forward to the big 50th celebration. And this is their 50th year coming up right now. So this was kind of going to be the kickoff for them. Now it'll be the conclusion to the season that uh, they'll play when, whenever you guys get the Western League going coming up, in whether it's October, November, December. 
Yeah, so I mean, it was nice that the league comes out and they released that return to play protocol. Um, NHL in a different boat, and I mean, this is changing day by day, even hour by hour, but with all of the recent tests being confirmed, is there a side of you that wishes that the NHL did the same and just kind of said, you know what, see you next year, we're going to figure this out, this season's a wash, or is it so important, do you think, that we have to play the Stanley Cup playoffs? Not from even the TV rights. Maybe it's a business decision, but just from the standpoint that the Cup has to be awarded. Do you think it's that important? Well, Chris, it's business. There's no question about it. Uh, it's a billion dollar with a B swing, whether they play or not, from what I've been told. So that is the the biggest component, obviously, of of the decision of, of getting everybody back involved. But you know what? We've seen a spike here in the last few days where numbers of the COVID-19, both north and south of the border, have, have started to spike here again a little bit. So you can guarantee that the NHL and the Players Association are keeping a close eye on this. And if by the time we get to July 10th, which is now just a couple of weeks away, for training camps to get underway, which which they hope to do, if it's not safe, then they obviously can't. They know they can't put people at risk. And, uh, you know, obviously there's talk about Austin Matthews uh, having it now. There's the Tampa Bay Lightning scenario, uh, the, the trainings of uh, Major League Baseball down in Florida, the Blue Jays facility, like all those. I think Arizona, too, uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this one, but I think both of those states have kind of put a hold on things uh, as we speak here right now. So it, it, it really is, I, th- I think, like you talk about, Chris, uh, kind of an hour-by-hour hour thing. But there's no question the television dollars are astronomical, and uh, that's the big reason why the NHL, uh, you know, I think, wants to play and, and hopes they can do it. But but safety is first and foremost paramount for everybody involved, and we'll kind of see how this thing plays out over the next few weeks. Unfortunately, I, I think, you know, for a lot of us who have similar jobs, I mean, all three of us are working in hockey. We're around people all the time on a game day. You know, I don't know how many times on a game day you, you walk through, you're shaking hands with guys, you're shaking hands with players, you're handling different equipment. I, I think one of the benefits for me anyway, I think of having all this time and maybe science come out is that I've started maybe be a little more cognitive of how, you know, how I'm going to travel, how I'm going to handle different situations. Is that something that, you know, you guys as a group at TSN have thought about already when it comes to interviews, headsets, microphones? I know a lot of you guys, including yourself, because I've seen you on Scrum Lurkers with Jay and Dan, uh, using your cell phone, personal cell phone for interview audio. I mean, is that something you guys have met with as a, as a group from a Bell Media perspective uh, inside the locker room? Yeah, and that really changed even the last game before that this whole thing got going. Uh, you know, we were just opening up a three-game Western Canadian road trip, actually. Game one was in Edmonton, uh, so they played that game, and then the next two games were in Calgary, Vancouver, supposed to be played. But, but even in Edmonton, um, you know, there was – we heard during the game that, that that was going on. So when the game was over – even the regular protocol all went out the door and you know, we, everybody went into a different dressing room. There was no media inside the the player's facility. And, and I'll be honest with you. I don't know when they're going to allow media back inside the player's complex. And it wouldn't surprise me to see for the next year coming up, maybe that that goes out the door just to keep kind of as much of a lid and as limited number of people getting into their space uh, as you can. So, 
you know, the Edmonton game, again, they, they had a room set up. They had a podium set up. Uh, players just more or less walked up to the podium. Everybody had long microphone cords, and it was like a media conference doing the coach and the players. So that was different because you're right. Like it's it's a it's um, what's the best way to put it? it? It's a friendly world. Like it really is. Whether it's the broadcasters, whether it's the coaches, whether it's the players, everybody has friends on the other side. And the morning skate is really a big coffee shop in the NHL. Like, yeah, the players are getting ready, but everybody's shaking hands and you got buddies on the other side. You see two or three times a year, everybody gives each other a hug and you're in close quarters. And yeah, I think we're going to see uh, much different times coming up when uh, we come out of this for sure. And that kind of leads us into the conversation even like we don't know as of yet if we'll be broadcasting from inside the building, if we're going to be broadcasting from the TSN radio studios, if we're inside the broadcast booth in Bell MTS Place. There's been a whole bunch of different scenarios that the league is trying to work out with their rights holders as to how it'll work. Uh, rights holders may get in. Media won't. Uh, I'd be shocked to see general media inside the building. Uh, for us broadcasting the game, for me and Paulie on radio, and then uh, Dennis and, and Kevin on TV, we might get in, or they might just say, no, we just want the players, the coaches, the training staff, the management in-house, and that's it. So, you know, that's something that I guess we all kind of hope we get uh, a bit of an answer on here sooner than later. But, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of unanswered questions here for everybody for sure. Well, I think that we all eagerly anticipate the return of Scrum Lurkers. So... <laughs> <laughs> when it's, it's when really when they, Ryan Munn's moment. <laughs> when they when they when they catch you guys, are there like a bunch of text messages going back and forth? There used to be when uh, when those guys first started it, and yeah. I know both those guys pretty well. And um, when it when it got going, my phone was always buzzing. But <laughs> as I tell everybody, hey, I'm working. Like that shows right there that I'm in the scrum. I'm doing my job. I'm getting the audio for you guys to hear on the radio and and watch on TSN. So, uh, yeah, it, it's funny, but I will admit over the last couple of years now, since this thing has uh, really started to take off and, and you know that they kind of get the same guys more often than not, that you, you are a little bit more aware of when you're standing there. And if you're listening to an interview, you're not just daydreaming up on the roof or you're looking <laughs> down, you're, you're actually pretending that you are fully engaged in the conversation all the way through just in case that uh, one camera does sneak over and, and catch you and they decide to throw you on that week. Unless you're Bruce Gary Oates in Ottawa. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. One of my buddies uh, works for the Nashville Predators, Brooks Bratt, and he's uh, their social media coordinator, does some pregame, yeah. postgame stuff. And uh, whenever <laughs> whenever they come up to Canada, he always tells me, you know, any other rink in the U.S., he's he doesn't worry about it. He just jumps in there, throws an arm in. Doesn't Maybe maybe he's wearing a hat, maybe he's wearing a toque. He's not worried about it. But when Canada comes, and he, or when he comes up to Canada, he's dressed to the nines, he's got his hair done, and he makes sure that he's in a good spot and always looks sharp because he said he got caught once on Scrum Lurkers, and I'm pretty sure it was David Poyle, the GM of the National Predators and said, Brooks, you're wearing a hat and you look like a scrub. Clean it up. <laughs> so he said he's had to tighten the ship every time he comes to Canada. So I, I think it's hilarious. But uh, speaking, hey, speaking of hats, Chris, what's what's Crow got going on here? Uh, Two of the three of us, I think. Okay, are, so we have had this going on for a number of months now. This is all that's happened with the whole haircuts. We both wore hats in the podcast for a while. We decided it was okay because our hair was out of control. But at this point, 
it's yeah. been weeks that I've been Snapchatting him. Once I, I keep honestly Snapchatting him multiple times a week, being like, you "Got the haircut yet?" The pod. He just does not care. He's married. I think that's the problem now. He I just, got a haircut. He has nobody to impress anymore. Brandy <laughs> has given up on him. So yeah. he just does it's all what downhill he does. from here. Yeah, I've let my body go, my hair go. It's 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 all downhill from here. And I was a golfing today. hat as if he's actually a golfer too, right? So <laughs> here, my excuse he's trying to be sporty. I, my buddy's well, here. Let, at this. Let, let's get the golf hat right here. Okay, here we go. So for the listeners, we now have Brandon Crow wearing Titleist, and we got Brian Munns wearing TaylorMade. Now I feel left out. I feel left out. I don't have a golf hat, but I gotta slip this in because I know my my buddies in Saskatchewan will be laughing. I went fishing today, and I came home, and I was actually working on building my chicken coop out here at the farm just before I came on. So I didn't have time to shower. I'm putting together a little chicken coop. The wife wants some laying hens for some farm fresh eggs in the morning. We got to. I don't know if you can see him. Probably not too much sun coming through the window, but we've got a handful of cows wandering around in the backyard. We've got a real funny farm going on here. So Before we get uh, into rapid keep, fire, Crow, you have to tell hey, Brian. You, keep, oh, you keep letting yourself go, Crow. You're going to be in that coop. <laughs> <laughs> it's big enough. <laughs> Before we get into rapid fire, Brandon, you got to tell Brian yeah. how many lakes and river spots you stopped at today and did not catch a fish at. Uh, well, I went with the father-in-law, uh, my wife and, uh, and her mom and dad. And, uh, we, where did we, we went to the river just North of Verdon in two different spots. Didn't catch anything. We went up to Patterson Lake up by Rossburn, nothing, three other lakes. I can't even remember them. Nothing skunked, not Six a spot. Five. And, five. and we were, we were out there at 10 o'clock and we finished at like six thirty, <laughs> and didn't even have a nibble. So it was a tough day uh, out on the water today. So yeah, yeah and he still won't go with me. So anyway, that's why I had to bring it up because <laughs> here's his fishing buddy. He still won't go out with me. He's getting skunked all the time. I'm anyway, embarrassed. I was going to keep inviting you. <laughs> hey, based on his success, Chris, you don't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't want him tagging along with me. Eh? Right. Uh, all right. So rapid fire. I'm going to start here, Brian. And you don't have to be really brief. It's just trying to keep moving if we if, like for us um, so that we don't no get problem. too bogged down uh your favorite player to call on the jets and any other player that you've seen in the league well right now i think patrick line is the most exciting guy that winnipeg has now that dustin bufflin's moved on you know buff was the unique one of a kind that uh, you never knew what he was going to do but uh Patrick Laine, for me, has that shot that is just second to Alex Ovechkin, and that's it. Uh, he's such a special talent, and he's a fun-loving guy to be around, too. Like, every time you walk into the room, he's not one of those guys that really takes himself too seriously. Josh Morrissey, obviously, has a bit of a soft spot, too, from, from our time in, in PA, and I was obviously before he was there, but uh, pretty good connection there with, with him growing through the Raiders, so... Those two would probably be uh, one, two, but we've got a lot of great guys in that room. That's the one thing that really makes this job so much fun is that group of players and the coaching staff. You know, we spend so much time together that we know pretty much everything about them. They know about my family and the same with Dennis and Paul and Kevin that, uh, you know, the Jets have welcomed us in so much. And it's nine years now for us since the NHL came back. And really in the winter, we spend more time with those guys than we do with our own families. So, we're very fortunate with uh, with how we get treated there. Overall, in the NHL, it's for me. It's always cool to see Crosby, and there has never been a game we've played against Pittsburgh 
And this even dates back to the first couple of years when the Jets were in the Southeast Division. Uh, they weren't in the Southeast Division, but we saw them, you know, two, three, four times a year sometimes the way the schedule worked out. And he is always so obliging. Like, he knows he is the face of the National Hockey League. And he'll be in the room. He'll go through his regular first scrum. And then lots of time the broadcasters will sit around for a second scrum. And then, you know, he's not against doing a two, three minute one-on-one for our just radio pregame show. Like a lot of guys would look at, okay, it's it's visiting radio. Uh, I got to go. He's never said no once. So Crosby for me is, uh, is very, very special in this league for sure. One of my favorite early memories, Brian, I don't know if you remember this. This was a, a long time ago. The first time Sidney Crosby made his return uh, or made his debut in Winnipeg, you actually uh, helped me get a press pass that night, and I got to watch the game up from in the booth with you guys. Uh, I was, uh, of course, working at CJBR in Melfort where you had started, and we'd kind of formed a bit of a relationship that way. And I remember yeah. you invited me down to the morning skate, and, and I'd never been in an NHL locker room, nothing. And, and for fans that don't know how big of a following it was. Uh, I remember we kind of had, you know, he'd gone in after the morning skate or whatever. And the way the stalls were, he had Kunitz on one side and and another guy on the other. And uh, all the media was surrounding both all three stalls. There was so much media in front of him. that I remember Chris Kunitz just stood there on his stick. I was like, yeah, no problem. I'll wait. <laughs> and everybody else was uh, showered up and gone. And he was just standing there awkwardly because he couldn't get to his clothes because there was like 200 media surrounding his stall. Uh, but that was certainly eye-opening for me. And I, I, I've always remembered that. And I, I do have to thank you for that if I never did, because that was certainly a cool experience watching uh, with what you guys do. But I can totally see why he would be great because it wasn't just one scrum. Pretty sure that scrum moved on down the hallway and then another one the same size moved in right from newspaper to local media. Uh, it was yeah. certainly something to see. Um, but my question, rapid fire, and you might have okay. to be careful with this because the GM of the Winnipeg uh, Jets is one. Uh, who's your favorite all-time Brandon Weeking? My all-time favorite Wheat King. Eric Fair. Eric Fair. Former Jet, too. Good well, I guess, boy. I guess I just threw myself under the bus because I should have said Chevy, right? <laughs> like, you laid it out for me softer, <laughs> perfect there. But, uh, yeah, he, Chevy would be number one, obviously. Uh, Ray Ferraro, I guess. I look back in the in the record books. Uh, but the guy that, that pops into mind, I guess, and I, I told you guys before, like, when PA came in during my time calling Raider games, the Wheat Kings were so good. It was Ferzi, who lives in Winnipeg now here. I actually just saw him at Southwood Golf Course here a couple of days ago and had a quick chat. But, like, they had Fair, they had Ryan Craig, they had Jordan Tutu, they had Josh Harding and Nett. Like, Kelly always had a really, really good team. So there were a lot of long bus rides calling Raider games where you'd come in, uh, the building would smell because they just had the exhibition or whatever <laughs> it was. And then uh, you'd play the game, you'd lose, you'd jump on the bus and go home another seven, eight hours and get back to PA around four or five in the morning. So uh, not a lot of fun times, but uh, now that I've got to know him and he's a former Jet too, but uh, I'll give it to 16. You do obviously a lot of traveling and a lot of iconic hockey cities. What's one city that you're still always excited that you get to go and broadcast from? Nashville. 
Really? Did I answer that too quick? No, that's 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 really interesting though. That's not where you know what a lot of people we talked that like you know, Montreal always comes up just for the culture and and and, and for the city. I think uh, we heard New York, we've heard Chicago, we haven't heard Nashville though. Why why Nashville? Okay, well let me maybe preface this answer. Nashville is the best city to go to overall if you love country music. And the way I kind of rate arenas and cities now is if your hotel and your rink are like a block apart or even across the street, then you don't have to worry about Ubering 20 or 25 minutes to the rink, and it just takes up too much of your day on game day. So the, the country music strip's pretty cool on, on Nashville. It's just down from Bridgestone Arena. So that, that's the most enjoyable place. It's not the easiest place to call a game from because there's no press box in Nashville. They've literally got just a bunch of tables at the top of the the sections between the two blue lines that radio and TV work from. So calling the game isn't the easiest there, but it's it's an outstanding atmosphere. Uh, Vegas is fun. Obviously, every night you go down there, it, it's literally like a circus. Like you never know what's going to happen yet, and uh, you know there's so many people from Winnipeg that come down too. Makes it. When the Jets play the Golden Knights, yeah, 90% of them are cheering for Vegas. But the Winnipeg people make a heck of a lot of noise. They might be might be primed up a little bit, but uh, hey, they, they have fun down there. But, you know, Chris, you're, when you talk about just strictly broadcasting games from 7 o'clock to 10 o'clock, Montreal is special. There's no doubt. Like, just the Bell Center. And our perch, too, is literally right over the ice. It's a long way up but you've got to kind of lean over the edge to look right down to see the boards below you. Um, and you just see those jerseys down below. It's cool. They just renovated Madison Square Garden, so the whole broadcast booths are, are brand new. The The renovation that went through MSG is great. Boston's a lot of fun. And then the other one for me, really, that's cool is Chicago because right from the anthem, when they get that place rolling – there's been some really good games between the Jets and Blackhawks and with Jonathan Taves connection here. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. So there really isn't a bad place in the NHL to give you a long winded answer. But for those that haven't been to Nashville yet, you won't be disappointed. I was trying to think about who said Montreal Crow. I know it was on the podcast. It was, it Pete, was Weber, Pete Weber, Voice the Predators. But now that I think about it, it wasn't so much the arena. He loved it because the hotel there has the heated toilet seats. And he said <laughs> out of all the stops in the middle of winter, he's like, that is the best when they got there. And they all started texting each other. <laughs> like, this is amazing. It's the same thing with us. It's the same <laughs> thing. There's text going back and forth. Like, it's, it's almost literally a race. <laughs> to get off the bus into your room to try out the toilet in Montreal. <laughs> You're not actually, it's something. Remember, go. Pete actually told us, he showed us on his computer on the episode, if you if you go back and watch it, his son-in-law bought him a heated toilet seat for was Father's Day or yeah. Christmas, and he had it behind him to be installed because of how great it was in Montreal. <laughs> so uh, that's, two, that's two things from the NHL. My first year doing the American Hockey League was the lockout year in Edmonton. After I left PA, that's where I got my step into the American League. And I'd never slept in a king-size bed before. So the way the Roadrunners had it, everybody obviously had your own room. Like in the Western League, and Brandon, I'm sure this, this might be the same for you. You're always rooming with somebody. So yeah. I, in, in PA, I stayed with huh, the, the trainer, the pride and joy of Killarney, as a matter of fact. Uh, so he and I were roommates for five years. 
But in the American League, you get your own room. And I walk in, and it's a big, huge, king-size bed. I'm like, this is, <laughs> this is cool. So I bought myself a king-size bed. Haven't bought the toilet yet. That, that'll be the next that'll be the next purchase. <laughs> That's next. So how long were you in yeah. Edmonton? You were there for the lockout year, and then you went to the Moose before the Jets came back. So were you in Edmonton just for the lockout year, then you got the job in Winnipeg? No, I was there two years. Uh, the lockout year of Roadrunner Hockey – and then the next year, I stayed and I did the pre and the post game show for the Oilers, okay. and that was actually the year they went to the Stanley Cup final against Carolina. So, my first year of NHL hockey, I got to see all the way to Game Seven in the Stanley Cup final, which was pretty cool. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, that's I remember that. That was kind of the 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 first real memory I have of a Canadian team kind of gripping Western Canada. That was I remember watching every one of those games, thinking that was the coolest thing on the planet. You remember Calgary two years before that. I, not really. I don't. And really? I, that's the thing. Like Dave Lowry bugs me about that. Like I, yeah. to me, my first, like if I'm thinking, you know, hockey moments that I can quickly think of Fernando Pisani scoring that goal it, to me is like the first memory I could think of. And I know I'm, I'm still yeah. a pretty young guy, but that to me was uh, absolutely gripping uh, that whole playoff run that they had. It's so bad. It's too bad that they didn't win, but um, well, you think about it, and, and there was a lot of talk this past week because that was the week of uh, of losing Game Seven uh, when yeah. you know you turn back the calendar to '06. It was whatever it was, June 16th or 17th, uh, whatever night that game was played in, in Raleigh. But uh, you think back to the year that was, they clinch a playoff spot with I think two games left to go in the regular season. They're the eight seed against Detroit knock out the Red Wings, who were the number one seed. It was Steve Eiserman's final series ever. And interesting story there, we were talking about Sidney Crosby. I got to do the last walk-off interview with Steve Eiserman when they lost that game in Edmonton because I had to do the visiting team's dressing room during those Stanley Cup playoffs. And I was standing there with their PR guy, and I thought, what the heck? You know, hey, can I get Eiserman? And he's like, eh. We just got eliminated. Probably not. So it was a real quick Steve radio and he paused and he's like, all right, came over and I said, Hey, I'll, I'll make it quick. But that's one of the memories for me is uh, I got to talk to Steve Eiserman first after he played his final game in the NHL. And then obviously they went on to knock off San Jose and then they beat uh, Anaheim in the Western conference final and had a great series. Dwayne Rollison gets hurt in game one. Um, and then UC Markkinen and Ty Conklin kind of went back and forth all the way to Game 7. That was the year that J.S. Shiger was in Nesto for the Ducks, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so my final rapid-fire question, and this one uh, goes back to my time, of course, with a, another guy that you know in, in Neil Shuchuk, who is a longtime radio legend in Saskatchewan, did some football, did some hockey, uh, basically kind of paved the way for guys like you and me. Uh, he introduced Absolutely. me to uh, to Warren Moon at a, I think it was a Huskies dog's breakfast thing or something along those lines, and I remember being like, oh my, like this is Warren Moon, like this guy's a legend. I remember him saying to me, hi, I'm Warren Moon. Like He introduced himself to me, and I was like, I know who you are. You didn't have to say that. Uh, have you had, and that, that was to me, it was one of my favorite interviews. I still have it. I think it's on an old like Morant's recorder somewhere in my nightstand, but was there ever a moment, you know, after you got to the NHL or is there still someone where you go up to do an interview and you get a little bit nervous or a little bit kind of freaked out? Cause 10 year old Brian Munz is going, this is the coolest thing ever. Well, I'll be honest with you guys. It was just this past week. Uh, didn't meet him, but did it on the phone and it was with Joe Buck. 
Uh, I was hosting the, yeah. the midday show here in Winnipeg, and I, I've always liked Joe on the air, and I just find him so relaxed on TV. And over the last few years, I've started to do more and more games when Dennis has been away for World Juniors or whether it's the RBC Cup or the TELUS Cup or the ESSO Cup, uh, the Hockey Canada events on TSN, and I love doing those so much. But you guys know what it's like. You're on the radio, and you can do whatever you want when you're on radio. But on TV, you've got to look into this one lens, and you've got to make it look like you know you're you're relaxed and you're and you're just having fun with it. So Joe's demeanor for me is always something that has stood out. So uh, Kenny Albert, the voice of the New York Rangers, is a really good friend of mine, and he and Joe both joined Fox at the same time. So I texted Kenny last week, and I said, "Hey, I got to do this radio show." Do you think you could ask Joe to do it? He said, yeah, sure, I'll text him. And literally two seconds later, I got a text saying, here's Joe's number, call him. So I sent him a text. Yep, absolutely love to do it. We've texted back and forth a number of times uh, since we did the radio calls. So, um, And we were on the air for probably 20 minutes together. And I, I'll tell you this, there were a couple times when I was listening to do, him do his answer, I was just like, this is cool. Like I'm, I'm watching them on TV. And then I kind of forgot that, that we were doing the interview together. So I would say that, uh, that he has probably been the one as of late. The NHL for me is so special to be involved with every day, but because you see these guys, I, I kind of forget that when the club's rolling into town and there's 200 people waiting for Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley and Patrick Laine and, Connor Hellebuck and, and all the big stars. You're like, oh yeah, right. Because to me, they're you know they're just like the Wheat King players, Brandon. For you, yeah, like, you're, you're with them every day. But uh, the other one, I guess, would be Dan Marino, who did the uh, Rady dinner a couple years ago here in Winnipeg. I was a big Dolphins fan growing up, so uh, that was that was pretty cool for sure. I got to add to your story uh, about um, <clears throat> where you're talking about Joe Buck. I was. I have an old farm truck here. It's an old 95 GM. The lights don't work. The wipers don't work. The seatbelts don't work. It's just a country road. Take it to the dump and back, you know, feed the cows with it. The radio works, which is the most important thing in this old truck. And for whatever reason, probably because of its age, it can pick up TSN 1290, like way better than it can pick up 880 CKLQ and Brandon, which makes zero logistical sense. I don't really understand that. So whenever I'm going to get uh, grain to feed the cows or I'm going to the dump or whatever, I always have 1290 on. And I just happened to catch the precursor that, you know, you were going to have Joe Buck on. And so I pulled into the the in-laws just down the road here to do what I was doing. And I parked and I was sitting there listening to this interview because, you know, I'm a big Joe Buck fan. And of course, you know, with you doing the interview, I thought it was fantastic. And the father-in-law came out of the house and was standing beside the truck, wondering why I was just sitting in the driveway with this truck running for no apparent reason in the middle of the morning. And uh, he was like, are you on the phone? <laughs> Trying to figure out why I wouldn't get out of the truck. But it was because I was hooked listening to you and Joe Buck. So uh, that stuff is fantastic. Uh, every once in a while, I, I get a chance to listen to 1290. And I think you guys do a great job, whether it be on the games or on the, the show, to keep people entertained in a time where there really isn't a whole lot of normal going on. So uh, that's what Chris and I are trying to do. And we were happy to have you with us uh, here tonight and, and kind of spread a little bit of fun and and talk of things other than politics in the news where everybody else seems to be kind of getting that from social media. So this was awesome Munzee. And uh, I really hope that, you know, we can watch you moving forward and get back to the NHL playoffs. 
Yeah, we all do. And uh, thanks to you guys as well. You guys are doing a terrific job on this thing. I saw when you guys had uh, Ray and Dregs on, and I've seen a number of other alumni guys of days gone by. And, and really, that's what this time has been about, right? Because nobody has had games to talk about here for a few months and getting a chance to, to go down memory lane. And all of a sudden, you have one guy on, and that leads to another guy. And then you're going down the YouTube rabbit hole for two hours watching highlights and the whole chain reaction of, uh, of these things. It's, it's been the one positive, obviously, of tough times for everybody. So take care to you guys, and we'll chat soon. And actually, well, speaking of highlights, before we do that, we did have one question in the email inbox that we had to get to Ooh. tonight, and that is okay. from David. He wants to know, out of all your calls, what's the one that you became a complete homer for and you just lost all emotion? You just <laughs> could not control yourself. There's one goal that comes to mind that you just started screaming almost. Is there one? Yeah, for me as of late, and just because he retired this year from playing hockey over in Germany, it was uh, the 9 Calder Cup when the Manitoba Moose were playing the Hershey Bears. It was game two. The Moose lost game one. They shouldn't have lost that game. Uh, they came back and won the second game, and Jason Jaffrey had all three goals. And uh, if, if you Google it on YouTube, you'll hear a very <laughs> excited Brian Munns for sure. And I'm sure there's... I, there's countless goals when I was doing Raider games because after doing games in Melford, Nipple, and Humble, it was the first time that I had one team and I loved the Raiders. And I, uh, I can tell you, I went over the edge way too many times listening back to some <laughs> of those games, but uh, it's from the heart. And if it's from that, uh, it's always great memories. I love they said that there was Jason Jaffrey. That's unreal. I spent uh, five years in Olds with the Grizzlies, and Jaff's from Olds. So uh, yeah. I actually know him. We're going to have to message him about this. That's awesome. Absolutely. Get him on the pod. Yeah. Oh, he's there a great a guy. guy. He's a great guy. He would. Yeah, no, there, there was a guy uh, probably – trying to think. It's two or three years ago now anyway. Came up to me on the street, and that was his cell phone ringtone was this Jaffrey goal. Yeah. <laughs> really? Like, it, it's NHL days. Like, I hadn't thought about those moose in that standpoint for, for four <laughs> or five years because it, it's well into the second half of, of Jets hockey now for sure. Uh, this year coming up will be 10. So, yeah, we're four, five, six years into NHL hockey. And as you guys know, the Jets are, are all that matters here in the big city now. And, you can't go to the grocery store without talking Jets hockey, which is awesome. But uh, I had a guy come up to me and he's like, hey, I, I, I got this. And, and he played it. Like, it was, was, was kind of cool. Yeah, it was fun. Well, I got to admit, Munzee, when uh, it's obviously kind of special for me following in your footsteps and kind of on a similar path as you had gone through starting in Melfort, when, when the Mustangs went on that championship run in 2015 where they ended up playing in Portage in the RBC Cup where you got to call games, uh, that yeah. championship run, uh, I ended up reaching out to you. Uh, you gave a, a couple of things, and when we built our – pregame intro in the rink with the lights off and you know whatever to build stuff there was a i used a call of yours uh, a michael grabner goal just in the background <laughs> and for whatever reason ever since then whenever i hear michael grabner's name all i can hear in my head is you shouting michael grabner it's Baumgartner to grabner and he scores and it's it just get rattles in my brain every time i hear michael grabner so the sooner he retires the faster i can get brian munz out of my head well, the other one, too, and you mentioned Portage, uh, when the Terriers won the RBC Cup, 
that year. Oh, yeah. That was pretty special too, because you know, we talk about Joe Buck and him being on the air. The guy for me is Chris Cuthbert in Canada and the way he is able to pull different sayings into goals and championships and all that kind of stuff. And I, I was, I vividly remember this forever and it was going into the final game and I had sent him an email and then we got on the phone and we were talking and I don't know if he'd remember this now or not himself, but uh, asked him kind of on different ideas as to what to do. And the end result of it was the Portage Terriers are the top dogs in Canada. And it just, the whole thing kind of just ended up being really special. And I, that was pretty, pretty good memory for me too. Those would be the two, but uh, the Jaffrey goal, I was a little excited. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Love great. it. Awesome. Well, thank you again for taking time out of your uh, night to talk to us. I really do appreciate it there, Brian. And good luck when the season does kick back up. Hey, anytime guys. Take care. Chat soon. Be sure to follow Q Country and the Wheat Kings on Twitter and Facebook for all your Brandon Wheat Kings news. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Harvest.